Thank you for joining us on the first installment of the Ride Better series on the Motorific Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Farrell. As you know, my New Year's resolution for 2014 is to educate myself across a variety of motorcycling platforms in hopes of improving my riding skills both on and off-road. The first of the Ride Better series covers off-roading basics in a course offered by industry veteran Gary LaPlante of Moto Ventures in Anza, California. The format for the Ride Better series will consist of a written course review appearing on Motorific, and shortly thereafter I will release the podcast, which will consist of an interview, post-course discussion, and background on the school and its offerings. Prior to the interview, Gary told me something that struck a chord as it essentially sums up my riding ideology. There are three types of people, those who know, those who think they know more than they do, and those who think they know less than they do. Everyone resides in one of three schools of thought, realism, overconfidence, or humility. In the context of writing, you either know your skill level, you operate outside of your abilities, or you underestimate what you are truly capable of. Self-deprecating humor aside, I tend to be somewhere between realism and humility. There is, and always will be, an infinite amount of knowledge I do not or cannot possess, and I accept that freely. I will always be learning, and I will always be a student of the world. I am here with Gary LaPlante of Dirt First, uh, a.k.a. Moto Ventures, and uh, just spent two days of off-road riding, and I would love to hear, what gives you the street cred to teach a class? What, what was your experience? When did you start riding? <clears throat> street cred, huh? Hmm. Well, um, if I'm not a good rider, I've really got no excuses. I've had, I really had that kind of perfect upbringing uh, to be a good rider, really blessed, really, really blessed. I'm the youngest of three boys. Uh, we grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, riding in the desert. And that's what we did, Dad and, and us three boys. And uh, we all got into racing, uh, desert racing, uh, trials. My dad started trials in Arizona. And, um, and I was the first Arizona <laughs> trials champion way back when there wasn't too many people competing, but still, uh, you know... Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, uh, I rode trials and got recognized actually um, because I was Arizona state champion by uh, by Kawasaki, who was coming out with a trials bike way back then. This is 1975, right about when I graduated from high school. Tells you my age, and uh, and so they needed somebody to compete on the bike in the national series, and so myself and Kurt Comer were signed up by Kawasaki. And we competed at the AMA Trials Nationals for two years, uh, the second of which I finished ninth in the nation for that year, for 1976. And the year after that, Kawasaki uh, canceled their trials program, stopped making the bikes. And so they offered me a job as an R&D writer and mechanic um, in their R&D department. And so that was my really my first job in the motorcycle industry was as a a test rider and mechanic for Kawasaki R&D. And... uh, you know, of course, that that was a pretty grueling job, to be honest with you, because we used to test at Saddleback Park, it's, you know, a long time ago, defunct, in the middle of summer in Southern California with a Thursday smog alert, alerts, and, uh, and you know, like the KX420 back then was, frankly, a horrible motorcycle, and used to throw me on the ground on a regular basis. But I learned a lot. And, uh, and and about nine months after I was with uh, Kawasaki R&D, I got a job in the PR department. And uh, so then my job was to prep all the magazine test bikes. Um, 
And so, and go with the magazines to make sure they're being tested properly. So that's what I did for Kawasaki for six years. And then uh, American Honda hired me away from Kawasaki, actually. Uh, and they put me in the product evaluation department. And they kind of did the same thing, except I didn't wrench on bikes anymore. I uh, actually wore a tie to work. And uh, <laughs> they called me an engineer, which is a joke. I have never been to college. Um, but, yeah, and I did that for Honda, American Honda, for four years. Best jobs. I've had the best jobs in the motorcycle industry, no question about it. I worked for, uh, for American Honda for four years. And, I mean, you ask me what my qualifications are, you know. You know, I've been blessed with really good riding skills, naturally. And I think you kind of have natural skills and such. I know my son does, because I didn't teach him anything when, when he was growing up. You know, he's, what, 30 now? Uh, 31. Um, when he was growing up, I wasn't in this business. And he turned out to be an awfully good rider. So he got it being natural and by watching others, always surrounded by good riders. So I don't know, does that answer your question? <laughs> well, of course. I think it's just a generic question that since um, I'm now starting a series where I'm covering folks who have courses, it's always a fair question. Hey, so what's your background? You're going to teach me something. I want to know, you know, where you got your skills. What, what makes you a great teacher? Mm -hmm. So, of course, experience... And it sounds like at almost every job you had, you were writing in addition to possibly wrenching. You know, really, like I said, I've got no excuses. I've had a great start out writing, a good, started out with a good fundamentals and trials, which I think is really important to really reach the highest levels of, Balance. of your writing. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of slow speed skills, you know, and uh, which actually, because I've got decent low speed skills, I can ride fast pretty good too, you know. So it's really it's really helped out a lot to have that trials background. Yeah, I think balance is key. Well, yeah, so. we we um, here at Moto Ventures, you know, and a lot of our instruction is based on the trials. A lot of a lot of what I wrote in my book is uh, based in trials. I mean, let's face it, motorcycles are motorcycles. And yeah, so, and, and just to quick uh, interrupt you, how to ride off-road motorcycles is the book that you're referring to. What a what a neat deal that's turned out to be. I really, it was supposed to be called a practice guide, and then, uh, and it was really only intended for my instructors to teach what I teach, and um, and so, but uh, it turned out to be a good uh, idea for consumers, and I got together with uh, Motorbooks International, and uh, well, now it's in its second year i guess we've sold i don't know six or seven thousand copies worldwide it's been pretty pretty well accepted i think you know uh, uh, just our approach the moto ventures approach to motorcycle rider training is we use dirt bikes it's pretty simple um motorcycles are motorcycles and in an ideal world everybody would start out kind of like i did on dirt bikes yeah when, when i started working in the motorcycle industry and I'm the dirt guy. I'm the trials guy. I'm the motocross guy. And we started testing road race bikes and road race, you know, would start to go to Willow Springs and do tire testing and chassis testing, carburetor testing, and just everything. And I did this now for, well, between Kawasaki and, and Honda, you know, eight or ten years of just testing. While my friends were racing and competing, I was testing. And uh, you tend to you tend to get to, you know, know what you're doing a little bit. And... I turned out to be as good or better than any of the road racers right off the bat. It was because of my dirt background. I'm not saying I'm a really good road racer or anything, but, you know, 
My hat's off to road races. Those guys that go so fast, they're so, so scary. But what your point is, is that it helps to really learn control of a motorcycle in dirt before you launch off-road, or on-road, actually. So, hence the name of Dirt First, which dirt you're first, originally yeah. called Moto Ventures, mm-hmm. which was uh, always training, or was there another aspect to it? Wasn't it well, no, tours mo- as yeah, well, right? Yeah, yeah, Moto Ventures is always intended to be an umbrella term to describe uh, businesses. And we're, you know, we started out as a tour company and quickly discovered that uh, there was a drastic need for good quality practical motorcycle rider training mm-hmm. and frankly since the since then we've been we've got our hands full with the training alone i'd like to do more with sales and you'll hear more about that we're going to be selling our own products and you know because our customers need things all the time they they need riding gear when they show up they know nothing they need everything so yeah we're going to start doing more of that, and who knows? Maybe someday we'll get back into the touring business. Um, but boy, there's so much we still haven't done yet with training. So I, I see us, you know, just and that's why we wanted to define it with a name. That's why Dirt First just seems so appropriate for what we do and for everybody, because yeah. our customers aren't necessarily dirt bike riders. Our customers are people who ride street bikes. Our customers are adventure bike riders, are dual sport riders are recreational dirt bike riders. And yeah, we have courses for motocrossers and for trials guys too. But and also, what's the youngest uh, person that you've had here as well as oldest, if you can remember? Sure. We've taught a three-year-old, but wow. it's not a normal three-year-old, I must say. The three-year-old came from a family of enthusiasts and you know, lots of support. It was a happy three-year-old, you know, but usually around five. Uh, if we get a kid who can ride a bicycle without training wheels which usually comes around four or five, then they might be ready for a mini bike. We got all the riding gear, we got all the bikes. We've got the little PW50 Yamahas, and we've got the TTR50s, we've got TTR90s, TTR110s, TTR125Es, 125Ls, 230s, 250s, 450s, 250R, YZs, you know, we got quite a few bikes actually. Full scope of Yamaha products. That's right. We have everything from, from kids to adults. So we often take families here, and when we have uh, four instructors right now. Uh, so we, can, we have a policy of no more than five students per instructor. And, uh, and so on a given day, we, we have um, uh, one or two, or two or three instructors working. So we can accommodate a group of beginners and a group of level two riders. And what are the different courses that you offer? Well, we, we offer... Uh, uh, level one, level two, and level three. Most people are level two. If you can get on a motorcycle and and uh, shift gears, and uh, if you ride street bikes, then you're automatically level two in our book. Okay, level three, well, that's advanced. Those are guys that, are, that race motocross or ride trials or you know very advanced level riders. And to us, a level one are absolute beginners, somebody who's really never ridden a motorcycle before. And so they need to learn how to start start the bike and put it in gear and let the clutch out and use the brakes and then shift gears. So they have a few lessons before they get into level two. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we have a few trials bikes and we have trials riding gear too. And uh, and we have a trials riding curriculum and we're happy to teach trials. So for the guy out there or girl who's been there, done that, they, it, it's funny, chances are they have not ridden trials yet. So many people in this world are so experienced and have done a lot of different riding, but they still haven't ridden trials, which is a shame. The lost art. 
of trials writing? I think it's America's secret. I think America is so up on speed and on. It's just like a big secret in America. <laughs> it's, you know, it's sad. Trials is like, you know, if you want to write, if you want to see a trials in California anyway, you got to drive out to blow dust nowhere and uh, drive for two hours. And you got to have a four-wheel drive to get back in to see the event. And you got to have some good hiking shoes, too. Uh, and then if you want to see a trials bike, you can't go to a bike dealership and see a trials bike. They don't stock them. you got to know someone like me who is a garage dealer to get a trials bike. It's like kind of like a big secret. It's like, you know, it's like we joke about, you know, oh, you want a trials bike? Well, meet me down the alley and knock on the third door and say the secret password and we'll get you one. Yeah, but fortunately you don't need to go very far to uh, be out here in Anza and you don't need to have an off-road vehicle to be able to watch people practice trials since you mm -hmm. have how many mm -hmm. uh, acres you lease here? Yeah, we're right in the center of Southern California, our location. We got the, we call it our rider training center. It's 350 acres and it's really ideally suited for what we do. And yeah, we've got trial sections. We have trials events out here all the time. We're going to have on April 5th and 6th, we're going to have the El Trial de España out here, which is the second oldest trials in America. It is uh, the 44th annual event. And uh, we've had AMA Trials Nationals here. Uh, maybe we'll have one again. Uh, but we're right, you know, we're, we're right, uh, we're kind of right between uh, Temecula or B San Diego and Palm Springs, if you're looking at a map. And, uh, and the elevation here, well, we're about 3,000 feet, a little over. And so it stays cool, even the heat of summer. We're cooler than anything else around us. And in the wintertime, we get a little snow, so it's kind of nice out here. We're really blessed. And again, like I was saying earlier today to you when we were riding, the, uh, the soil is special. You know, it's that decomposing granite and dirt mixture. It just makes for ideal traction. It's real consistent, real predictable. And it uh, compacts really well. Compacts really well. When we get a little moisture, it's what we call hero dirt. Just so much traction. You can just run it in the corner and trust the front end. It's just amazing. And it's easy to clean up. As the guy who does all the washing, it's easy to clean up, <laughs> which is important. Not a lot of fine-grained clay components to worry about getting stuck on your bike, or you. Yeah, or that red Georgia clay, or some of that staining mud that's out there. It's, so, you know, it's, it's a, that's a big part of this business is, uh, you know, with the laundry I have to do. Where's the bag? Well, we took the bag away already, but <laughs> we, you know, I have this big bag of laundry after every day, you know, that I have to launder. And, of course, the bikes... I don't give a paying customer a dirty bike. We wash it, we check it over, check the air pressure. Of course, we do regular maintenance on our bikes. Yeah, so literally for this course, even though I brought some gear, I could show up in tennis shoes and absolutely possess nothing of any motorcycle gear familiarity and be able to be outfitted with off-road boots and with elbow guards and knee guards and a jersey and pants and a roost protector and a helmet. You guys literally top to bottom, which also makes it really good as a um, perhaps a starting point before your MSF class to come out here and take a class, take a one-day, take a two-day and kind of get familiar with things before you jump over to MSF and think about getting your license. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like we were saying, the dirt is where I believe you should learn to ride a motorcycle, and the street is where you learn to survive, where you learn those, you know, skills. Yeah. And uh, But it's like a good, the, your format of kind of providing everything 
really mm-hmm. eliminates the concern that someone might have, great, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have to buy all this stuff mm-hmm. and then I'm going to hate it. Yeah. And, and that's mm-hmm. why I direct a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. who want to ride street to take the MSF course because literally for a couple hundred bucks you go out and they I basically see. outfit everything. And so it's a really low risk in terms yeah. of, you know what, you go out there, you hate it, you never have mm-hmm. to do it again, you don't have to sell all your equipment. You've literally got everything here. Yeah, really, dirt bike riders already have their gear and stuff. But, yeah, for street bike riders who want to get better, build their skills, yeah. we have everything. And for the family, for the guy who doesn't isn't sure if his family is going to be into it or if little Johnny is going to like it, come out and try it first before he invests all the money in the equipment and such. We get that a lot, too. So we're not just for adults. We have, we have a, our, our customers include, you know, kids, adults. We're teaching a lot of military now. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud to say that we're uh, our program, our, our curriculum has been authorized by the Navy and the Marine Corps, and we're starting to train more and more of those uh, great uh, young men and women. And what a pleasure teaching those guys. They're professional students, and they just really listen and pay attention and really try hard. So it's really fun. But yeah, now you know we're blessed with all of our sponsors. You know, first of all, Yamaha has been a great partner with us, and of course they got the perfect product line. You know, we use their recreational dirt bikes, which are super durable, super friendly, four-stroke electric start bikes, you know. And they got the perfect product line. Really, that's why I'm with them. Yeah, starting from very low and continuously upgrading in engine size and different technique. Yeah, yeah and seat height, you yeah. know. And, uh, and they aren't racing bikes, so they're friendly. A lot of people make a mistake by going and buying a racing bike for, as their first dirt bike. You know, they're not, more and more, they're not being, they're not friendly. But, you know, if you look at our riding gear, uh, if you look at the, the HJC helmets, for example, mm-hmm. you know, we have, well, we just got in 40 new helmets from HJC. So we're getting really good support from that company. And HJC, if you don't know it, they're the world's largest uh, helmet company. Uh, they private label for a lot of people. Um, Korean company, I'm quite sure. And, uh, and uh, they've blessed us with all these great helmets now. And like our TCX boots. Look at how much money we have in boots alone, yeah. you know. And we've got boots and helmets for kids, you know, from everything from extra small child up to, a, gosh, a three extra large adult, you know. Yeah. And then there's the, the, the jerseys, uh, the pants. We've been getting some generous donation by Yamaha Accessories Group for that stuff because it all says Yamaha, of course. Uh, EVS, EVS pads, they've been helping us out with the elbow pads and knee pads. And, of course, we sell all this stuff, too. Uh, one thing that happens a lot is people show up and they don't have knee pads. For some reason, people think they don't need knee pads. But, of course, what's going to hit the ground if you get off the bike? So we insist that people wear knee pads, and, of course, we sell them if they don't have them. And here, it's no extra for the riding gear. We don't charge any extra. It's all part of the deal. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory. It's part of the deal. Um, other than that, you know, we've got uh, gloves and goggles, uh, you know, and we're we're actually a parts unlimited dealer. Um and a WPS dealer, Western Power Sports. Who else? Helmet House. I'm happy to say we're with Helmet House, too. And so we can get our customers any of these products that they need. It's really out of convenience. Our customers are generally kind of busy. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, we're not Not a lot to... of time to call around dealer to dealer. Yeah. Hey, do you have these boots? What about this size? What about ladies' size? You know, and, yeah. it's, and, and I actually fit in the 40 um, TCX. What's the... Uh, model name on the boot that I was wearing. Well, you're wearing a Pro, TCX Pro, the original Pro. Yeah. 
Yeah, and those were great, and the 40s might have been actually small with the little booty inside, but the great way is they have that extra piece that you can take out, and so now the boot is giant, but I have brought my wool socks, and so now everything is perfect. So there's always an answer to, to any little problem in terms of, oh, if it's a little big, I just bring extra wool socks. and. Yeah, we've got options. Yeah. Today's today. There's so many choices in riding gear, you know, and footwear alone. You know, there's dual sport boots and trials boots and motocross boots and recreational boots and just a, quite a variety, you know. So, and we have all the trials riding gear. Trials riding gear really only consists of boots and helmets, you know, specialized boots with Vibram soles and an open face helmet. Otherwise, you can wear your motocross gear for trials. So yeah, um, we do this every weekend, all year round. Um, usually we book a Saturday and Sunday first, but uh, often we're we're available on weekdays. Uh, we're going to be busy the next two weeks, I think, every day in a row, between uh, people that want private lessons and groups, small groups. We do a lot of small groups. We we do some corporate groups too, you know. Um, we just hosted uh, Southern California Motorcycles out of Brea, California, and they're one of the country's largest Triumph and Ducati dealerships. I was just about to say. Yeah, he's... sounded a lot like Ducati, Brea, and Triumph. Yeah. I've been out there. My good friend Tom Hicks owns it. As a matter of fact, Tom and I work together at Honda. That's how we know each other. Nice. So he brought it, He brings his employees out almost every year for Company training. Company bonding. That's right. You know, we've had... Gosh, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to remember all the different people we have out here. But, you know, one time Keith Code brought his, his group out here for training. I mean, all these people get it, you know. They know dirt is a great way to train, and a great it is a great activity, fun, skill building. It's all good, you know. Yeah. And here's another good example, if I may. Um, there's two BMW dealers we're working with here in Southern California, BMW of Escondido and BMW of Long Beach, who is the largest BMW dealer in the nation, right? And they also carry Klein. Okay. Well, these guys. Um, they, they've been sending us customers. Um, they know that for most people, if a person hasn't grown up riding dirt bikes or doesn't have the dirt bike riding background and they've just bought an adventure bike, they really need to park that adventure bike and spend some time on a dirt bike and build their skills up. And then when they ride that adventure bike, they have to ask themselves, they have to have use good judgment, of course, but they have to decide when they're looking down a road or trail, can the bike make it? Because we can give them the skills and train them to ride quite well. But let's face it, those big adventure bikes have serious limits. Mm -hmm. Anyway, these two dealers, they get it. And they're not worried about losing their customers to buy a Yamaha or something ridiculous like that. These BMW riders, they're very hardy people, you know. And they know what they want. And many of them are, it's amazing what some of these guys can do on these 1200s, the guys I've seen. So, yeah, we've got a group coming up on the 23rd. Um, that is BMW of Escondido. I think we've got a group of 18 guys. It should be a hoot. We're going to have GSs out here and Yamahas and just run around. And then on the 30th, BMW of Long Beach is, is going to come out with their employees. And we're going to have a barbecue and have a good time. So, yeah, we try, we try to entertain these dealerships and corporate groups all the time. It's uh, we got a group in uh, Palm Springs they have an electrical supply business 
And so they invite the people they sell to and give them a free day of dirt training. And of course, we give them, they give them a little pitch for the components they sell. But they tell me, after they throw this little junk at this little you know, thing, they tell me the people they, they sell to double and triple their orders the following <laughs> Monday because of the good time they had and all. Nice. You know? Because this company is giving out this kind of perk you know, selling electrical supplies that no other company is. So why why buy from anybody else but them? Yeah. So it really pays off. And the best part is... You, you don't, don't need to know how to ride. <laughs> well, that, but the best part is for them, they don't pay for it. They get the people they buy supplies from to pay for it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a beautiful world. That's awesome. Yeah, and these guys are super happy. It's become a real tradition, desert electric supply. And riding around here is awfully good, too. We've got some great dual sport riding around here. So people can come here and, you know, we've done day rides out of here. Sometimes we'll ride up to Idlewild. It's a beautiful little community up there. And spend spend the night, you know, have a nice meal, have a couple drinks. Come back the next day. Yeah, and when you perfect your skills here, you can go across the street to the motocross track mm-hmm. and start all over again. Well, once people learn to ride, then they want to do something. They want to go somewhere or do something, take it to the next level. And we've got Kawea Creek Motocross Track right across the street from us here. And Kawea Creek is a great outdoor classic motocross track. Uh, everybody loves it. Just a little bit far out of town. But in Southern California, we got a lot of tracks. Good one. So how was your experience? Let me turn it into interviewer. <laughs> How'd you do? Um, I think I definitely need more practice, but uh, I definitely felt so much more comfortable on a bike that I wasn't fighting the entire time. And I say that with a little caution because I, I did write up a really nice review of um, Performance Center uh, in South Carolina. And it was, you know, all for me, all learning is good. Sure. But in terms of what I can really take from it and and to really build my skills, I personally prefer something where I'm not going to be thinking about um, whether or not the bike's going to overpower me or my handling of the bike. I'd rather have that be seamless and then focus all my attention onto what I'm doing and body position. And so, well, worried about crashing the bike. Well, I was never worried about crashing the bike because I did it quite a few times mm. with the brand new uh, GS. But um, wow. that that aside, um, mm. yeah, it would be nice to have a bike with scratches on it to start. <laughs> yeah, that's a little... You don't want to be the first one. <laughs> you know, I was uh, many times. But... Um, it's just really nice to to ride something smaller that I'm a little more comfortable with throwing around mm-hmm. so that I can really get the best out of the instruction. Um, Build your because, confidence. Yeah, and it's it's all about instruction. It's all about confidence and and how I am able to not focus so much on riding the bike as much as where my body is and and speed and you know what gear I'm in and whatnot. Um, and there's no. Uh, not saying that there's any instructional issues with um, Performance Center whatsoever, but it was just having a huge bike like that that I'm not used to riding just mm-hmm. draws all my focus into mm-hmm. to the actual bike riding <clears throat> itself and not to technique. And that's really what I wanted to focus on was technique, and which is totally why I could go out and get one of those TTR 230s right now, just because I know that with continued practice, this is going to be so much better for me. I can't just come out here one or two days and then and then not ride dirt for six months and then come out again it'll just just learn exactly and and i'm not exactly ready to parlay those skills onto the the 650 gs yet i'd Mm -hmm. rather kind of tinker around with a smaller bike Mm -hmm. and i'm totally fine with doing that 
Um, and, I, and I have this argument frequently with people in terms of, well, you know, you should go out and, and take the Rawhide course. Well, I will. That's, you know, it's on the agenda. Mm-hmm. But right now I want to build the skill set so that I can go in there with base, if you will, mm-hmm. dirt skills and get the most out of the class. Because I don't think I got the most out of the Performance Center class because I really wasn't ready. I was so green and I was so focused on that bike and I wasn't focused on me. And that's really kind of when you're trying to learn basics and you're going backwards from street to dirt you really need to be focused on all the techniques that you're trying to adapt to. Yeah, we have a motto here, and that is that you'll learn it more and you'll learn it faster if you go down a size or two on your bike. Yeah. We see it all the time. I mean, your guy guy wants to go become a rider and uh, ask around, hey, what's the best bike out there? Well, you know, you want the, you know, the KTM 450, you know. Uh, the most expensive, most powerful bike around you know and they're the bikes these days are amazingly incredibly powerful and on and uh and it's way too much motorcycle for most people they're yeah. starting out they but but they do they get it and it really holds them back it holds back their learning curve it, it prolongs their learning curve and then they, and also they could create bad habits or they could get dinged up a few times mm-hmm. in the process you know it's always better if you if you go small and then work your way up yeah and that's an important distinction is that I'm, I've kind of adapted to this way of thinking based on my own experiences. I'm not going to say that someone who's never ridden off-road won't totally be capable of going out and taking a, a 1200 GS. But just from my perspective and from an observational standpoint on a, a few other people, I just think that it's better to, to be more comfortable and to be focusing on skills and a little less on a motorcycle. So, Yeah, and uh, you know, follow the series of exercises we have outlined in our book. You know, it's uh, motorcycles or motorcycles. So we have uh, our exercises, basically, we we have a sitting turn exercise, then we have a a braking exercise, strong emphasis on the front brake. And then we teach people how to ride standing up and teach them how to do stand-up turning, which means counterbalancing, okay, which is what you have to do in rough environment, uh, stand up and then turn, counterbalance. And then we get into our heel group, which is uphills, downhills, side hills, turns on hills, uh, hills with no traction, and how to get unstuck from a hill climb that you didn't make. And then from there we have uh, a series of exercises which kind of emphasizes steering the bike with your legs and feet and lower body. And that begins with our slalom exercise. And then we have our board ride. I know your favorite. (laughs) And then we have the sand wash but again, one of your favorites, but you did good. Yeah. Um, sand wash. For and the then, audience, I did. <laughs> and then we have, after that, we start kind of getting into level three. We begin with a wheelie for a purpose, uh, which you come back and do some of yeah. these things that we weren't able to do. Um, and then we go into uh, brake slides and power slides and jumping, and clearly we're in level three at that point. But that's kind of the, the series of exercises, and it's all outlined in the book. Uh yeah, it's all in the book. So let's uh, let's leave the listeners with the uh, the approach to evaluating what went wrong in a scenario, or if you want to also look at it from the perspective of how am I going to tackle this next uh, terrain that I'm gonna uh, that I'm coming up on. Your three oh the checklist elements. yes the three the checklist the to checklist. either determine how you failed uh-huh. or how you're going to mm-hmm. approach something. It's a simple thing, isn't it? Don't you love it? That, mm-hmm. How simple that is. Um, the checklist, yeah, the checklist. So it's simple. The checklist is 
terrain reading, line selection, execution. So here you are riding along, you out there riding uh, wherever. This could be me specifically too. Since yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're riding along and you come to uh, something challenging. Could be a turn, a ditch, a hill, whatever you you consider challenging. All the good riders do this. They don't even think about it. They've they've programmed themselves and they do it in an instant, in a glance. Good riders do this. But if you're not, if you haven't programmed yourself yet, you have to think about it. And so go to the checklist. So the first thing is, what is the terrain? Terrain reading. Is it sand? Is it mud? Is there any traction at all? So assess the terrain. Second thing on the list, pick a line. What specific line do you think you want to take? And it might change throughout the turn or through the hill or whatever. So you've got to pick the right line and you've got to stick to that line. And then thirdly, you've got to use, you've got to execute. You've got to use the right technique, okay? And like I always say, it's if you... If, if something goes wrong, you can attribute it to one of those or all of those things. Either, you know, you misread the terrain, you picked a bad line, or you didn't use any technique at all. Yeah. So that's a great checklist. Terrain reading, line selection. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because we've already gone through this after I ate it earlier today. Yeah. No, no benefits of GoPro here, but I did have someone follow me that was able to... Uh, confirmed that I completely lacked technique and my body position was off. So that was kind of nice to be able to really uh, see that whole um, three basic evaluation points as to, well, what went wrong here? Let's mm -hmm. go over the three things that I can remember. And then, of course, have an audience behind me to tell mm -hmm. me, yep, yep, you're right. Absolutely. And, of course, if you do make a mistake, try to understand why you know, before you get up and go. That way you're not likely to make the same mistake again. Yeah. I see that often. People just want to go. And uh, they're in a hurry to keep up with Joe or Bob or John. And, uh, you know, and they're not practicing. Mm -hmm. You know, I say, when you go riding, go practicing. And, uh, and adopt these practice ethics. You know, have something you're working on every time you ride. Every time you go out. Even if you're just on a group ride and you're following somebody. Have something you're working on. That's how you get better. You know, it's yeah, that simple. practice. Yeah, it's your approach. You've got to put in the time. And, uh, and uh, you know, and practice and uh, get a dirt bike. So as your dirt bike doctor, I'm going to prescribe to you <laughs> one Yamaha TTR 230 of any condition. We'll, we'll rebuild it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Gary. Yeah, you're welcome. It was I a pleasure. Of, I had a lot of fun. Um, almost too much. I fun. think I think you actually had to peel me off the bike today. I could have easily gone for another hour before yeah. I just about passed out. You were grinning. You're like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you.